0: Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergr.com. I was saying they don't usually give me this mic. It's always the the singing one, so it's a little different, but how are you guys doing? Oh, good. Good? Yeah. Oh, good Staying cool? No. <laughs> All right. So today I get to share a word with you guys. Super excited. Um, just honestly praying that. I do it justice, that the Lord would just use me, that I would come away from tonight not feeling like I'm a good preacher, because honestly that's never a title that I saw myself walking into, but that the Lord's name would be glorified (laughs) and we would just keep our eyes fixed on him um, like we did in worship. Just grateful that we get to enter enter into tonight that way. So, I have some goals for us tonight, and might just be the therapist in me that's always setting goals. But I want us to be unified and to know kind of where we're all headed together, what we're hoping to just come away from tonight with. So um, my goals, if you want to hear them, that we would come away from tonight with a greater understanding of who he is an awareness and an awareness of how we perceive the world through him, that we would grow in our desire to pursue him in intimate relationship, not a surprise, that we would feel more equipped to make his name known in the earth, and that we would be able to interact with the world with his heart and not ours. So brings me to the title of my message, which is, His Heart is Better Than Mine. And I don't know if there's, oh, cool. I haven't seen this yet. His heart is better than mine. Yeah, so title of my message, His Heart is Better Than Mine. Praise the Lord. So we're gonna talk about seeking God's heart for others through seeing him rightly, through knowing him. It's the only way. So we'll start off with some scripture. Psalm 145, verse one through 13. I will extol you, my God and King, They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your goodness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made, all his works. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man, your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. (sighs) Starting with a Psalm of praise, you can't go wrong. All right, Lord, we just love you. We thank you that we get to gather here tonight and worship you and bring you praise forever and ever. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing on this earth and that you invite us to be in par- a part of that, Lord. Lord, would you just open our hearts tonight to, to what you have to say? Would we be open to receive what you have for us, Lord, each and every one of us? Will we be open-handed with the things that we hang on to? And would you reveal yourself to us, Lord? Reveal yourself to us in a new, greater, deeper way. We just want to know you, Lord. We're here for you, and we love you. Amen. All right, so this scripture, like I said, is a song of praise and it's praising him for his works, his character, his glorious everlasting kingdom. And it shows how the Lord views the world as well. Um, It says he is gracious, good, and his mercy is over all that he has made. And as we know, he had compassion on the world. And so we get Jesus. He sent Jesus because he had compassion to save us. And because Jesus, of course, is a reflection of the Father's heart, Jesus had compassion on the sinners, on the world. And he's so much more. He is loving, he is compassionate towards his works, but he's also the ultimate judge. And praise the Lord. For who he is that he is the ultimate judge so i feel like i've always tried to find this balance how do we extend compassion forgiveness gentleness how do we um, be yeah just gentle and loving towards the world but then also how do we judge rightly speak with authority speak with boldness power and Of course, if you know me, I always tend to gravitate towards the love and the compassion and the nice stuff because it's just so nice. And I feel like that's just easier to focus on these things, right? Which are all true. The Lord is so compassionate and kind. And then, of course, if you know Grant, my husband, he has all those things i'll give you credit um but he definitely is better at you know gravitating towards the boldness the the unashamed you know for the gospel he's speaking with authority and he definitely can be honest to a fault sometimes but we've definitely helped each other grow in those areas and find that balance because you can't have all one and not the other or else you miss half of the bible (laughs) and who he is And we don't want that. So ultimately we're all different, right? We all have have different personalities. And so I've really just tried, okay, I need to cut through all of this and think, what is God like? How does God feel? How does he view his world, his earth, his creation? Because I wanna follow his lead. I don't wanna be like anybody else. I wanna be like him. So I need to know who he is so that I can follow his lead even better. So this is imperative, right? We need to know who God is and be aware of what can happen when we don't view him rightly. It messes with our perception of how we see everything. So if we want to see people the way that God does, we need to know him. We need to understand his character, how he sees others, and then follow that example. So who is God? Who was God the Father? That's a big question and I definitely won't answer all of that because he is unexplainable in many ways. But I've been reading Teach Us to Pray by Corey Russell, great book, great man of prayer. And he shares this out of like in the context of prayer, but also applies to just how we live our lives as Christians. So um, because our posture in prayer towards him is gonna influence our posture outside of prayer towards others, right? So. He emphasizes the importance of asking these questions in our prayer and our walk with the lord so we ask what do i think of when i think of god or who do i think i'm talking to when i pray what's god like how does god feel and these even these four questions i think would transform our prayer lives if we really thought who am i talking to who is god like, what do, am I just saying words? No, we're talking to a living God, right? So when Jesus responds to the disciples' request to teach them to pray, he begins, well, it gives us the blueprint, the Lord's Prayer, right? And he begins with saying, our Father. This reminds us who we're talking to. We're talking to the Father. And I wanna touch on just how the Father reveals himself in the word so we can all be on the same page of who he is. Um, so he is creator. He is sustainer. He is an inexhaustible treasure house of all goodness, love, wisdom, righteousness, power, infinite, limitless. He is without bounds or restrictions. He's uncreated, eternal, unchangeable. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He is omnipresent. He is father of glory, lights, mercies. He is father of Jesus Christ. And he's not passive, but burning with jealousy. He is a consuming, fire he is also the father of the parable of the lost son the prodigal son and if you don't know it's he sees his son while he's a great way off and he has compassion on him he runs to him with open arms he loves his son and is just grateful for his return back to the father that's the father's heart and he also openly declares his affection over his sons his daughters the father is joyful he's righteous holy good just kind he's merciful he's compassionate and he's patient and so much more. This is a very short list, but just this is who God is. We need to know who God is. Who are we talking to? Who are we trying to be like? And these things describe how his children view the father and then also how the father views his children but he longs for all to come to claim that title, right? As sons and daughters. And so we should long for this too. We should long for people to to be brought into his house, to his family. And so as we approach our lives as, you know, as Christians pursuing the Lord, we want to bring others into our family too, right? So now we've established what the word says about who God is, how he views us, and now we can look at, okay, how do we see and respond to the world with a godly perspective and what can get in the way of that? So I'm gonna read from Romans nine, one through eight. Paul says, I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart His word does not fail it is perfect right for not all who are descended from israel belong to israel and not all are children of abraham because they are his offspring but through isaac shall your offspring be named this means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of god but the children of the promise are counted as offspring so i read that just thinking of Paul's perspective, he is experiencing great sorrow and unceasing anguish as he's witnessing his, his brothers actually abandoning the promises and the salvation that Jesus offers. And it seriously just breaks his heart. It rips him up inside. He feels so strongly, he will literally cut himself off from Christ for the sake of his brothers because he just knows the goodness of the Lord. And I feel like this is, relatable in a lot of ways as we are looking at the world and seeing so many denying jesus denying the the good news or even taking the beautiful gospel and modifying it to fit what they want and it just is crazy to see and we feel these these strong emotions and reactions sometimes when we see this because we're like hey This is for you too. Don't you know? Don't you know the good news? And we look at Israel too, like Paul, and it's like, oh, if you just had what was, what is available to you, things would be so different. And it makes sense to feel this way though, right? When you look at the world, because we, and so when we feel this way though, we just have to be so intentional. Okay, do my reactions and emotions reflect God's heart? Or am I, converting it through my flesh filter and feeling how I want to feel right so I want to talk about some of the things that can get in the way of this so we need to take a look at where does our response come from does it come from a place of pride insecurity or are we are we reacting to things from a place of humility in the security in Christ in our identity in him because how many of you know pride and insecurity are poison to the soul? They will corrupt you. They will shift your whole perspective and it can interfere with how we see others, right? We're seeing them through our heart and not God's. So talking about humility, the Bible talks about it all the time. Be humble, be humble, be like Jesus. And so we need to seek humility. The Bible says it over and over again. It must be important. Um, with uncompromising faith though, humility doesn't mean passivity right so humility does not mean passivity so we need to be humble seeking humility but with uncompromising faith so we look to jesus because he is the perfect example for it all So even Jesus, the one who is actually worthy of being exalted, of being glorified, he doesn't even use his own position as an advantage or a reason to elevate himself or look down on others. Jesus is humble and he's lowly in heart and he's completely obedient to the Father. And because of that, he is exalted, right? So if he doesn't even use his position and right standing to look down on others, we shouldn't think that we can, right? So when we pray for the Lord's heart for others, we say, Lord, give us, give us your heart. We want to see others how you see them. Are we, are we willing to humble ourselves and to let go of our thoughts of, I'm better than the person I'm praying for? Do we let that go? Or do we pray going, oh, I am great i'm praying for this person because they need it Um, or are we coming from a place of humility right so we can't let our right standing in heaven lead to pride that actually gets in the way of us doing work on the earth right now as laborers of the harvest, as a people fulfilling the Great Commission, sharing the gospel, because this, is, this will get in the way. If we, you know, we're set apart and this is, this is good, this is great, and then, you know, we can't go so far as to where it's divisive and we get stuck in this us and them language because that's not the heart of the Lord. And so we actually are unable to love and disciple others to Christ if we get stuck in this place. And so another thing that can get in the way is insecurity. So insecurity in our identity in Christ, we of course need to be secure. It's the opposite of insecurity, makes sense. (laughs) To see the Lord rightly though, we need to see others through God's heart um, and also understanding who he is. So we can't let insecurities or fear influence how we see the world. So insecurity is lacking confidence, uncertainty or anxiety about oneself or I'd take it a step further about who God is, um, or it's fear or being open to danger. So instead of being anxious and feeling hopeless when we see things in the world, we need to feel secure, not only in Christ, in our identity, but our, our role right now. Our role in the earth at this specific time that we were intentionally designed and called to and we need to have faith in what the Lord is actually doing versus seeing the headlines and seeing all the things and going oh my word I'm so anxious the world is going up in flames oh my goodness I have no hope we need to be excited and praying into it definitely and it makes sense to feel these things but it is we can't let our anxieties and our hopelessness be the thing that defines us because we are a people defined by hope, right? And if we don't live that way, how are they gonna know about the hope, right? So if our identity in Christ is fragile or easily shaken by the world, we start listening to that voice that says, can God really do this? Or does God really wanna use me or, Do my prayers actually have power? And we listen to this voice in our heads if we're coming from a place of insecurity and fear. And if we're operating more out of fear of man than fear of the Lord, we all know that's not a good thing, right? Fear of the Lord over fear of man. But we start to place what man says then over what God says. And this is so out of order. But I wanna tell you, hopefully you think this is good news, but it's pretty much guaranteed the world is gonna hate you and I don't love that, but I do because of what John says. He says, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before I hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So we're chosen. That's way better. I would rather be chosen by God than be worry about being hated by the world. And this doesn't say the world will hate you, so you should too. <laughs> Right, (laughs) he says to pray for your enemies. Pray for those who persecute persecute you. Don't gossip. Don't be bitter. Don't be resentful. But pray. Pray for these people and love on them. Um, So when you see these things, and we ask ourselves, we go to the Lord. Okay, is my reaction and judgment coming from one of these places—pride, insecurity, fear—and does my response reflect His heart? So just a constant checking in. First Corinthians one or 1 Corinthians 5, verse 9 through 13 says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, since you then would need to go out of the world. But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality, greed, is an idolater, rival, drunkard, swindler, not to even eat with such a one. And so this is what I really want to focus on, too, is for what do I have to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside, which I don't know. I feel like that is such a relief. (laughs) Like that is not our burden to carry, judging those outside. The Lord is the perfect judge. He knows way better than we do. (laughs) So we're not called to judge non-believers but love them and point them to Jesus definitely, both to the salvation available and to to repentance and the sanctification process. And we can pray God's perfect judgment. We can pray into it. He's he's got it. We just have to be obedient to what he says, right? So let's be intentional about releasing that to him and not taking on the anxieties of trying to be the perfect judge of the world. (laughs) feels a lot better so it can be hard though right we live in a time when the church looks so different than the world it's becoming so much more obvious sins are so overt and it's hard because a lot of times they're not even called sins It's attached to identity or a whole lifestyle and so when you speak truth and love it becomes this attack on the person who's clinging so tightly to this identity and it gets really messy and we might feel like Paul who has unceasing sorrow and anguish right because we witness this and we're like how don't you know what's available to you right and how how could you do this and we just don't understand so we feel so strongly we want to to judge from these places Um, And it's honestly easier sometimes if we just disconnect and we stick with our peeps and we go, okay, we'll pray over you guys, we're not gonna associate. But we aren't meant to interact only with people in this building or people who have the same beliefs as us. Or else, like Paul says, you would need to go out of the world if that was what you were called to do because it's not possible. You need to interact with people who are non-believers. And how are we supposed to fulfill the Great Commission if we don't interact with others? And there's intention behind each of us existing right now so we want to be the hands and feet of jesus we can't get stuck in a bubble this is a launching pad we come here and we go out right (laughs) and then just a quick side note if you especially if you're maybe a newer believer um just being intentional and mindful about who you're spending most of your time with yes we should be definitely you know interacting with non-believers but if you feel like you're vulnerable or easily swayed to sin it can be really dangerous to spend most of your time with non-believers and you at least for my walk and a lot of other people's I know it has been so pivotal to just spend time with people who are gonna edify build up point me to Jesus every time and um, And especially if you're letting somebody speak into your life, they should be coming from the same context, right? Same beliefs, same God. So we have no business casting judgment on outsiders, but how do we then carry the father's heart? How do we view others through his heart if that peace isn't necessarily ours for the non-believers? So I want to focus on compassion, understanding, things, you know, I love those things, but that's not why I'm focusing on it because the Bible says so. Um, So not just as humans though, understanding humans, but as humans seeking to understand others through God's eyes and heart, like we've been saying. So Psalm Psalm 145 verse eight through nine says, the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. So this is who the Lord is. Like the parable of the prodigal son, the father had compassion, right? Even just a glimpse of the son returning, he was welcoming him with open arms. He was so excited and he wasn't holding back because of, ooh, I don't know, you've done some things. He was just excited that he was coming back into the arms of the father. So we also look at Jesus too, who is fully man, fully God. And we look, okay, how did Jesus respond to the world? How did the word instruct us to respond to the world? and all throughout the bible we see regardless of somebody's history jesus still says follow me you see even just his disciples all the things that they had done he says follow me he doesn't say but do these things and then follow me he says follow me first and then jesus still died for all right and he didn't speak of sinners with disgust Or judgment or in a way of like disbelief at how somebody could ever do what they did or how they could decide to live this way but he actually speaks from a place of fully even so painfully understanding the hold of the enemy the lies that they're believing the circumstances that they came from and he says come your sins have been forgiven he knows these things and he understands so deeply having compassion and seeking understanding doesn't mean compromise like we said and it also doesn't mean acceptance of what's going on in the world it doesn't mean avoiding speaking truth out of fear of man it's connection understanding is connection and jesus uses connection with people all the time Um, it's an open door connection right it promotes openness to change and also promotes looking to the one who loves better than any of us can which is jesus and some ways seeking understanding when you're talking to another person can actually help pull the veil for them they might not even see the lies that they're believing but if you talk to these people you don't just stay in the church you talk to people and you try to understand okay you're so close like we might believe really similar things but what's that lie that you're believing and we can we can talk about these things we can point them out and point out hey you're missing something really vital and it's jesus that's why none of these other things are working and understanding is also not an attempt to be more seeker friendly. It's it's a call to be solid, secure, and uncompromised in our faith, firm in our belief in what God is doing and speaking from a place of knowing who he is. And I I believe all of those who are created as image bearers, they have this curiosity or desire for eternity. I mean, people, we're all seeking, The same thing in a way, but some people just are trying to find it in the wrong things and are left just unfulfilled every single time. We have a privilege of knowing the good news. And we live from that truth and we get to proclaim it to the world and say that this is available to you too. And if nothing else, understanding can just be fuel for our prayers. We have specific prayer points when we know exactly the lie that somebody is believing and we can use like literally use what we learn in conversation and connection as fuel for intercession. So I wanna get into a little more of the how, how do we actually do this? And like we've talked about just reflecting on, okay, does our heart for others match God's, match what Jesus demonstrates? And if our immediate reflection doesn't necessarily react God's heart right away, we can work on it, right? It doesn't have to stay that way. So how do we come to know him in his heart and combat those automatic responses of the flesh that actually contradict his heart? So it's probably not a surprise. We talk about all the time. Prayer, time in a secret place, right? The word, worship, just spending time with the Father. That's how you know him. You spend time with him. It's nothing new around here. Um, and repeat. You do those things and you repeat over and over and over again right repetition is the key to sanctification because it is not a one-time prayer (laughs) it's not a one-time prayer without a lifestyle change repetition in an intimate life of prayer leads to continuous renewal of the heart it leads to constant examination of your heart And it also acts as a filter for our eyes as we're seeing what's going on in the world, what's going on in our lives, what's going on in ourselves. Um, And because repetition is kind of my point here, I wanna get a little nerdy with you guys and share (laughs) a little bit about my world, my day to day is characterized in repetition. Which is a good thing. I work in kind of a neuro um, specialized field as an OT. And a big part of what we do is doing things over and over again to get somebody to get back to what they used to do over and over again. So, for example, just because I think it's so cool how the body works, how the Lord designed us. When we're trying to, for example, gain function back in an arm after somebody's had a stroke and they can't move it, we literally have them grab a cup, pick it up, bring it to their mouth, set it down, let it go, grab a cup, pick it up, over and over again. (laughs) Because the brain is like, oh, we've done this before. We know this. It is easier to fall back into these familiar, repetitive things than it is to try something new that is unfamiliar, especially if your arm's not working right already. So our bodies are cool, and this can be a good thing, right? If we're always drawn back to the thing we've done, the thing we've known. But it's also a bad thing in a way um, and it doesn't have to say that way again but it could draw us back into old habits thought patterns behaviors ways of thinking desires of the flesh but again praise the lord because he made us a certain way to be malleable changeable human beings and i think it's amazing the all-knowing creator of the whole universe designed every cell and our bodies, and he not only knows how we work, but he knows he can bypass all of it, <laughs> right? He's so aware of his design. When he, destructed, when he instructed us to renew our minds, He knew he knew how he made us, and science is just finally catching up to what God knew all along, which I think is so cool. So shouldn't we wanna work alongside the intentional design of the Lord? Knowing these things, we can build habits through repetition And there's this, when you build that habit, there's this extra prompting, this extra pull, like you're missing something when you form a habit and your body literally is like, okay, something is off. And I don't wanna just attribute that to how we physically are designed because we are so much more than that. Um, But I tell you, if you you repetitively get a taste of his presence, we can't help but be drawn back to him. And that's because the spirit living inside of us craves communion with the Lord. More than just physical, it is spiritual, but we can use that, that physical to get to the spiritual. So as we develop these habits, we become more in tune to the Holy Spirit, to Holy Spirit's voice. We become more drawn to that intimate time. We can't go without it. And we're also more inclined to hear and listen And not ignore his his voice his promptings throughout our day-to-day when we interact with others and then of course this is not just a plug for prayer meetings but i have to put it in here because seriously if this is a weekly habit of yours and you spend time 6 a.m every week in the presence of the lord he will meet you here and he will change you and this is one of my favorite habits i mean grant and i have to be here but we also love to be here so (laughs) if we ever miss a time which doesn't happen often we feel we feel that and he loves to reveal himself to those who gather in his presence who like when we come together and offer up incense of unified prayer and worship he is like yes i love this i want to meet him meet them here so what if these things are our response to the world a church loving prayer and worship this is what we're going after we've been going after it and i'm assuming that we're going to keep going after it this summer (laughs) um so worship team if you want to come on up here whenever you're ready so repetition in conjunction with holy spirit we develop new automatic responses towards the world which i think a big automatic response to the world should be prayer (laughs) when we see things okay pray every time Uh, one of the things that the lord has spoken to me as we've gone through last month um, he wanted me to pray every time i walk from my car across the street in the parking lot into my work (laughs) got all the flags flying and i see all these things and he says i want you to just pray and so every day i go and i still continue it even though it's july now i'm just it feels like i'm missing something if i don't so whenever i see the flag it's this visual cue okay i need to pray i'm not going to get anxious or feel hopeless or feel fearful of walking into this place i'm going to see the flag i'm going to see these people and i'm going to pray and that's my response and that's become so automatic so when we see things on the news post on social media of people who have differing opinions um, interact with a family member we disagree with we we pray or we pray later and just think okay am I being humble am I coming from a place of security so as we consistently commune with the Lord develop that life of prayer a life that's marked by time in the secret place everything comes from here everything flows from the secret place it's with and through him that we begin to have his heart for others and it's only that way He often shifts our hearts outwards towards others when we're in the secret place too, which is so amazing. And it it really does impact the way that we do everything, how we worship, how we preach, how we evangelize, how we serve others, how we respond to others, it shapes everything because when we are in the secret place spending time with the Lord our truest selves as in how God intended us to be within his will within his image it's exposed it comes forth in prayer we can't hide anything which is a beautiful thing because any pride or insecurity or sin in general that's kind of getting in the way of our ability to not only live out obedient lives for the Lord, but also impacting how we see others, he's gonna call that out. And we have the opportunity to bring that to the prayer altar and give that up to him. It's not this thing that keeps festering because we never spend time in prayer and it's never exposed. We spend that time repetitively and it never stays. He reveals himself to those who seek him and knowing him, Equal seeing others with his heart. Prayer is the overflow of God's truth, his heart over our lives. When you spend this time, it's automatic that his truth literally flows from you as you're speaking to people, as you're talking to, to non-believers. It's this automatic response of not only prayer, but just his truth as you know him and spend time with him and grow in intimacy. When we understand who he is, we develop a holy perspective that we filter everything else through psalm 145 says every day i will bless you and praise your name forever and ever and on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works i will meditate this means daily prayer and praise meditation on who he is what he's done this changes us and the cool thing is he doesn't even need us to do these things but he desires us He calls us and he allows us to be a part of his works right now on the earth and what he's currently doing. He commands us to love others this way, to pray for them daily, to offer our lives unto the Lord for his glory over and over again, for his will to be done on this earth as it is in heaven. And when we're confronted with that craziness in the world, we can pray that our response would be like his that it would be like Jesus, that our our heart would break for what breaks His, that a spirit of revelation would fall on the world, that curiosity would build, that Holy Spirit would nudge them towards Jesus, that their hearts would be open and that lies would be exposed and confronted. So my just call to action is, let's just seek Him in the secret place. Seek to know Him more intimately so we can interact with the world from a place of knowing him. We pray for humility, for increased security, faith, for no fear, for just compassion, understanding, love, and that we would just glorify his name in everything that we do. Lord, we just love you. Thank you for what you're doing in this place with these people. Thank you for continuing to grow our hearts our desires for you, for prayer, for time in your presence in the secret place. Would you meet us there like you always do, Lord? Would you, would you peel back the veil? Would you show us anything that's getting in the way of us knowing you better through time with you in the secret place? Lord, we just pray over the world. We pray that your perfect judgment would be over the world and that you would use us how you see fit. Use us, Lord. We pray that your kingdom would come, your will would be done. We pray that we would come to just know you even better through just what you're doing right now. Lord, we pray against any fear, any pride, any insecurity. Would you make us humble and lowly in heart like Jesus? Lord, we just thank you. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. And it's in your name that we pray, amen.